Would you like for me to tell you a little joke? Yes? Are you laughing now? Well, all right. Welcome to episode 23 of Embrace the Suck, the only official licensed, sanctioned, rain-delayed podcast of APG, bringing you two cents worth of free perspective on the heavy-hitting lifestyle. I'm your host, Bill Hart, coming to you almost live this time from New York City with my special co-host this time, co-founder Mark Walker. What up, Mark? What's going on, brother? Living the dream, dude. So we're coming to the gentle listeners live this time from New York City, where Americans are renouncing their citizenship in record numbers to take up residence abroad. According to this report, 5,116 Americans renounced citizenship in the first six months of horrible 2020, which represents a 1,200% increase from the previous six months. So I guess compared to an overall 2,072 in all of 2019, that's also quite an uptick. But this, uh, this report also goes on to say that out of the 9 million U.S. citizens living abroad, so U.S. expats, the speculation here is that the tax burden coupled with the U.S. political climate is just too much to bear. So, yeah, I know my taxes went up last year. Did yours go up last year? Yes. And the year before, and I believe the year before. The man in the hat wants a taste. All right. But um, yeah, I didn't know. I, I had to look this up a little bit. And apparently, I didn't know this. The U.S. is the only country on the planet that requires citizens to pay taxes no matter what country you're living in. So if you move to Spain or Tibet and open, open a coffee shop, then Uncle Sam wants a cut. And uh, apparently they have the teeth to enforce this thing via something called the F-A-T-C-A, fat cat. So I think that's their way of calling you fat cat. Like we're, we're keeping the tea. We're keeping the tea. Get it? <laughs> Breaking <laughs> off a piece. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tea party that. Yeah, I had to deal with that once. When I was, when I was a Bitcoin high roller, I had this um, account at a, at a cryptocurrency exchange out of, I want to say Luxembourg. But as everything crashed and crumbled and I had like nickels left, I tried to get my nickels back. And they said, hey, what, what country are you a citizen of? I'm like, yeah, I'm a U.S. citizen. Oh, so yeah, so you got to fill out this fat cat form and then Uncle Sam gets a cut and then we'll give you whatever's left. I'm like, dude, you're in Luxembourg. Come on. Yeah, we don't care. Yeah, we don't care. We don't care. You have to pay. I <laughs> was sad. But uh, yeah, so the, I think the cherry on top was this article that I read. Let me right. So this article in PRNewsWire.com goes on to say that a lot of expats aren't renouncing citizenship because they don't want to miss out on that good stimulus check that is certain to be coming down the pipe any minute now. Uh, so yeah, I think we're, we're entering Soviet levels of propaganda now. That shouldn't even be possible. But, um, but I did go down the rabbit hole a little bit and look at uh, places that, that are ideal for setting up like a second citizenship or, you know, second passport kind of thing. You ever look at that stuff? Uh, every now and again, we'll, uh, 
we'll take a look. You know, I know uh, you take a look. Uh, Rob and I have taken a look. <laughs> yeah, so I looked, though, and uh, so I just typed in, like, best place for second passport or something. And it it spit out uh it spit out this this site what was it international citizens and there's a bunch of these companies I guess that say they'll walk you through the paperwork which I think is basically you're just handing somebody money to lose your papers and then they send it to some other government and they lose your papers and basically everybody loses your papers and then you pay them but uh, according to this site and may, maybe they don't lose their pay, your papers. Maybe they're the best place in the world. I don't know. I've never dealt with them. I'm just did, did disclaimer out there for everybody. But according to this place, the best places for second citizenship include Ireland. We Ireland, which you can go back to if, if you had relatives from there. Uh, but I mean, as far as I know, Ireland is having all the same issues as England in terms of spending more on entitlement dollars than it brings in for their recent arrivals and then next on the list was uh according to these guys was israel which according to international citizens <laughs> they they preface it with uh, for a change in religion oh <laughs> like, uh, yeah sure what do you got they specify that uh, citizenship in israel comes with numerous benefits but also numerous civic obligations including military service yes so there's that option. You ever been to Israel? I have. Really? A couple How was times. That? Really? Uh, I actually, I liked it. Um, I went to uh, Haifa and uh, also went to Elot. Um, not too bad. Not too bad. I never went there. We went to uh, Jordan in the, uh, the Gulf of Aqaba. And, yes, uh, I, w- I also did uh, Gulf of Aqaba. We did a military exercise right before you and I uh, met up. Uh, in Kuwait before oh, yeah, going yeah. to Iraq. Yes, I was there for a month. Yeah, we could, uh, where we were on the beach, we were just there for like a really, really easy diving trip. It was like right around the Gulf you could see and like they're, they're obviously partying over there and you're obviously just eating shrimp. <laughs> Very not. No, it wasn't bad. It was pretty cool. Um, the but- diving, the actual diving there is pretty good. There's some pretty good wreck dives, some big turtles there. Uh a lot of poisonous fish, though. Don't know yeah. if you saw them. Well, dude, I mean, yeah, I saw lots of everything. I mean, you know, diving, dude, after after being in the teams, it's like I got to get in the water again. I'm not doing Yeah, it. at least it was warm. <laughs> it's world class. I don't care. I'm not interested. <laughs> but, yeah, there was – we could look around the corner there in the, the Gulf of Aqaba. You could see uh, somewhere Israel. I don't know what that's Elot. Was. That, that, that's Elot right there, right across the Jordanian border. Oh, okay, yeah. And we asked, like, we went and asked the the like the border guard dudes, like, "Hey, can we just go over there?" And they're like, "Yeah, you can go over. Are we going to be able to come back?" Oh, I'm not sure. Like, well, <laughs> that doesn't really help me, does it? <laughs> and they said, "No, man, don't do that. Just stay here. Stay here and have fun here." Like, well, I can't do both, can I? But uh, <laughs> the flies were horrible there, though. I don't know if you remember that. I don't remember the flies. I remember yeah, there the flies were pretty bad. A lot of cats, like stray cats. Yes, so that too. Trying to get your uh, what do you call it? What's gelato? That was like the only thing there. They did, like you can't get a drink. You can get a gelato. Not so much. But uh, yeah. So moving on down the rabbit hole, I, I continued on this look for where to go and 
set up an alternative, uh, you know, homestead. And I see Belize, formerly British Honduras. Uh, it's, you know, just uh, the southern part of Central America, where John McAfee had set up shop. Yes. So it did not know, go well for him. No, it didn't. And I don't know what the whole story is. I saw a thing about it. And according to the people in, in um, formerly British Honduras, he smoked some dude and then just took off. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if you heard any interviews with that guy. Yeah, he's kind of lost it, and he kind of started looking like Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, the Unabomber. Yeah, l- like Ted Kaczynski, but not as level-headed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that, that kind of brought us to the, um, the holy grail of the possible second citizenship, Argentina, where for $1,000 in passive income a month, you can have an extra passport. So that sounds to me like a ticket to good stakes and um, probably, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Good soccer. I never been to Argentina either. You've been to Argentina though, right? I have. Uh, I went down there uh, when uh, George Bush was in office. I went down to do the conference of the Americas where they bring all of the leaders of countries from North central and South America there. And, uh, they get together for a week. I got to go for 30 days, uh, oh. which was cool for six days of work. Um, <laughs> yeah, they flew us down. We had to do our uh, uh, work with the Secret Service, doing the, the pre-visit checks. And then uh, we stuck around to do some some counter surveillance stuff after they left. That was pretty cool, man. Outside of uh, they kind of cordoned off the whole the whole town, right? Uh, it was this little beach town called Marta Plata. And uh, there's, there's a lot to offer uh, there. You mentioned the good steaks. So uh, yeah, I ate filet mignon every night, man. Oh. Like it was 11 bucks for two filet mignons. We went to the same restaurant, which uh, was not uh, probably the best practice. You know, um, we had freedom of movement. Um, so we could go anywhere we wanted because of our credentials. But I mean, you had people from, you know, all over North Central and South America um, there with, you know, their teams. And uh, it was pretty cool. Um, so you got that. You had uh, did a wine tasting. Um, oh, yeah. I've heard of everybody it. left. They got really good wines down there, too. And I understand. Uh, the hotel that we were staying in they had this big wine tasting and they let us go to it for free. And uh, so you got to taste some world-class wines and um, that was cool. Um, But, you know, a lot of people don't realize that's where Patagonia is too. So like, that's like outdoor paradise. Like uh, as far as people that I know that like to fly fish and, and uh, hunt waterfowl. And uh, I mean, it's a beautiful country. People were super, super nice. Uh, huge Italian influence there as well. You see it in architecture. and uh, But uh, you mentioned soccer. Uh, soccer's not even the biggest thing down there, man. They play a lot of polo. Um, hey, they so play, do I. Uh, no, yeah, no. They, I'm thinking of <laughs> something play, else. <laughs> uh, they play a lot of rugby down there as well. So, yeah, it's a real nice place, man. I would <clears> – <throat> I would definitely put that on my short list. Uh, they kind of 
took the Venezuela route for, you know, having a really good economy and then uh, stretched it and started socializing a lot of stuff. And government took over a lot of uh, a lot of private businesses and nationalized them and uh, kind of went down the tubes for a little bit. My understanding right now was that the former president and some of her cabinet members were indicted and like they're running from for office from prison. <laughs> A good deal if it. you can get it. <laughs> hey, so, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, but yeah, I would definitely consider it. Uh, I'd put it on the short list, man, because there's a lot of stuff to do there. Nice. Well, when I was in a, when I was a DLI, there was a Korean guy uh, that was, that was in class with there for so for some reason. And the way he put it, well, the guy was big on buying stocks and it was at a time when stocks were really unstable and he would, it was like magic. He would buy something and they would dip. And he had a saying when, when the stocks are down time to buy. (laughs) So I think, uh, I think next week we have, um, next week we're going to have Annie Nelson on again and tell us a little bit more about her book. But I think in the meantime, I'm going to actually research this Argentina situation and um, come up with a plan of action, even if it's a notional plan of action. And maybe me and you get some aluminum cans together and uh, do a little recycling work. And then we'll, you know, I don't know, take a sailboat or a train or maybe just drive. We'll just drive to Argentina and um, see what we can see about, you know, because I could probably come up with a thousand bucks a month. Hey. Hey. All right, so that's enough of that shenaniganry. Um, before we move on to the topic, how about a quick beard update? So I shaved this off in, in March. And, and you know what? Maybe, maybe this was actually my fault. Maybe the whole pandemic thing is my fault. And uh, the beard gods were angry. And until this grows back all the way in, the, 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 the face masks will continue. But um, yeah, now I'm seriously shaved this off in March and now it's just about back to uh, quasi full strength. I will tell you that uh, it smells like pipe tobacco this morning because I went for the trifecta yesterday and had a uh, coffee with some rye whiskey and, uh, and a pipe, which is nice reclining on the back porch, having coffee with whiskey and, uh, and smoking a pipe. Very enjoyable, but does leave you smelling like you're walking out of a club in 1999. Not exactly the deal. <laughs> and you know what they say about pipes. It gives a wise man time to think and an idiot something to put in his mouth. So, in the words of John Madden, you be the judge. Uh, uh, I have something to offer on your beard. Oh, what's that? I, I think you reached a strip mall Santa status. Oh, you son of a... <laughs> Because if there's one thing I love more than Santa, it's strip malls. <laughs> Not even real mall, like strip malls. Not Santa. even a real mall. What is that, a nail salon <laughs> next to yes. a Radio Shack? Yes. All right. Well, topic this week, you had something pretty solid. We're talking about back to basics. Back to basics. What do you got? Well, I think when, uh, you know, when I start talking to people and I, I do my weekly check-ins with uh, people we work with, teams we work with, uh, and you and I were talking about this yesterday on the phone, Um, you know, people try to get, uh, you know, the good idea fairy shows up and, and instead of coming up with a solid, you know, plan uh, I think what you see is people start complicating things, you know, and, and for us, 
I think what we you see Hollywood will you know they'll show like the high altitude high opening jump out of the back of a, you know a C one thirty you know in the dead of night and you know you'll fly for you know thirty miles and you know go crashing through a skylight in a building you know and shoot Carlos the jackal in the face and rescue the hostages and ride off into the sunset and uh, you know for guys that you know were in the teams and 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 actually went out and and did real world missions that that's not real life man and and it's not how know, this works yeah it's not it how any of this works that way yeah it doesn't work that way dude, every so, time i see one of those commercials or i see somebody doing that in a movie that kind of thing i'm like dude i want that job and then i'm like wait i had that job i never got to jump through no skylight yeah yeah I, it, it doesn't happen that way and and I think for us, you know, uh, you know, and you and I, we went to Iraq together. Uh, and when people start to complicate things, you know, it takes real strength to say, hey, time out. You know, this, this is not what we do. You know, I like to always say, hey, go back to the basics. You know, go back to the basics of, you know, for us, you know, shoot, move, communicate. What are we doing here? Um, so for those of you that don't know, the, the very, very first mission going into Iraq the second time. Um, I mean, Billy, feel free to jump in here, but like we trained for six months, you know, we were working out of Kuwait. Um, I tacked on an extra, you know, 45 days uh, before I even left for that deployment to go to Jordan. Uh, and uh, we did an exercise there, a joint exercise. Um, before we showed up in country uh, to Kuwait, waiting for the war to kick off. And, uh, and we rehearsed and we rehearsed and we rehearsed um, for six months. Um, and I know you remember that. And oh, dude, it was, it was <clears throat> daily, man. And, and it was, and what was so comic was it wasn't a complicated op, I don't think. And we, we nuked this thing. Like we had like, stakes with rope like this is the, this is a building right here and that's a building right there like okay it's great it's a building you're gonna run out of the helicopter now where's the building it's right there okay run to the building i'm like dude i'm it's six months of this every day and every day and and so uh what i was going to tell our listeners was that so the most complicated part of this whole thing was a uh, little backstory first gulf war when old Storm and Norman Schwarzkopf launched tanks across the border, um, what Saddam Hussein did was he, there's two uh, offshore oil platforms and uh, off the coast of Iraq, and he flooded the Northern Arabian Gulf, or you know, back then it was called the Persian Gulf, uh, with oil. And, and there was all these fires, and it really, really hurt the economy of all the countries around there because, you know, one shipping is a big one. There's a lot of dates out there, by the way, um, like dates from uh, palm tree dates. Um, and yeah, I think I, the, yeah, I think I caught every single person sending dates anywhere during the blockade yeah. thing. I got so yeah, sick. We, both. Yeah. <laughs> Enough of dates. We, yes, we got stories, though. <laughs> um, so anyway, we, uh, we go out and, uh, and we're rehearsing this, but uh, the goal of this was to make sure that that very large uh, ecological disaster did not happen again. So uh, uh, 
my element, our job was to take down one of the offshore oil platforms. And we were working with one of our uh, partner forces uh, from Poland. And um, yeah, so, the Grom. Good dudes. Yeah, the Grom. Good dudes. Good dudes. Um, so our job was to take down uh, the offshore oil platforms. Uh, and Bill, you can talk to what your job was real quick uh, in this whole thing. Oh yeah, yeah. So that that same opt in, you guys hit those um, the 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 offshore platforms, and we hit the metering and manifold station that was on shore. And and the deal there was there was a bunch of us in MH fifty threes, those these gigantic like flying diesel truck marine helicopters, the whistling shit can of death. Some dudes call them. <laughs> And so you, you see something leaking and you ask the crew chief like, Hey, is that supposed to be leaking? And he goes, yeah, that's how we know it's full. <laughs> <laughs> Do not want, but yeah. So we fly in there in, uh, in 53s and, uh, it was a trip, man. Cause like we'd done this, we'd rehearsed this so, so much and you know, like exactly what you're going to do. So when, you know, when he gives you like two minutes, then you get up on a knee and like, cause you, you the, the floor of those things, you're sitting on the metal, you know, so it gets cold and then your legs fall asleep and you're cold. So if you don't get warmed up, then he's going to say like 30 seconds and you're like, oh, oh, I can't move. So, you know, two minutes. So you get kind of shaking your legs out, slapping your hands. So they wake up a little bit, get on a knee and then, you know, you, you can wait for him to touch down. Yeah, we rolled out and we we've done this so many times, so many times. All I mean, I still know what I got to do. Like I, I get out, I turn left, I go through the fence, I look for the building. It's easy, right? There was I don't remember how many helos. I think four or five, something like that. And a couple of them had some of those DPVs loaded in them. What we had, what we hadn't accounted for was j- just how soft that mud is there. Like it had rained, I guess, and. We didn't know. I mean, you know, we know now, like, man, that it's like baby powder. Yeah, like wet baby powder. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like cake batter almost. Yes, yes. So we landed, and I don't remember us having an issue, but two of the other helos, uh, one of them kind of half crashed and got stuck there, and guys had to guys had to set a watch on it. but we landed and we we took off and it kind of give to to give an idea of how spun up we were on this thing. Like we had practiced this thing again and again and again, and like we knew what we were gonna do. But then we took off and we run over there and we know that we have to quickie saw through this fence and get to this get to this uh, what do you call it? like this little structure. Like we had done this so many times and I, to me this is like the one of the perils of over rehearsing and overthinking. And not just like, you got to find that happy medium of, I know what I'm going to do, but I'm ready for some changes. You know, if, if, if curveballs get thrown, cause we ran up there and guys set like a little perimeter guy starts with the quickie saw and a quickie saw. If you know, if people don't know what that is, it's sort of like, if you think of a chainsaw, but instead of like the chain part, it's like just a big fiber wheel and it cuts through metal and this kind of thing. So a guy starts on this quickie saw and, uh, Another dude looks like five yards down the fence and goes, well, there's a gate right here. Do you guys just want to go through the gate? And everybody kind of looks at each other like, are we allowed to go through the gate? Like training cells <laughs> going to pop out and like, hey, don't use that gate. That gate's not there. You know? It's notional. <laughs> it's notional gate. <laughs> I actually had a thought on that. Like if I was ever doing something really shady, I would take caution tape and just put it over like half the doors in my house. And guys will run in and be like, there's nothing here. There's nowhere to go. 
<laughs> it's all notional. These doors are closed. These doors are out of play. Um, but yeah, so we ran in there and uh, we, we kind of took the little facility and there's nobody there. There's nobody even around. I think one guy saw somebody like taking off on a bicycle, like the unlucky night watchman. I'm out. But we did that. And then uh, we called the, uh, the Brits. We had, we had a couple of Brits with us. They called the, uh, the Royal Marines and they, uh, they flew in. They heloed in like their little weird English looking Jeeps and all that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, they took over from there and then we just took off and went back and watched the news. Yeah. And, and so while you guys were doing that, we were hitting the, the offshore oil platform and, um, and it was, uh, well, when we all got, we all got back and we kind of debriefed that first mission, um, it was very anticlimactic because we had rehearsed it so much. What, uh, I, what I was trying to bring it back around to is that before we even left, um, we went in for our final briefing and there was all these people in there and we we're like, okay, you know, maybe this is some cool send off thing, you know, like you see in the movies and, and that wasn't it at all. Um, so there was a lot of people you know, senior people. And yeah. uh, we had a sign in our camp. It was so funny. One of the platoons put up a sign in the camp that said, never have so few been led by so many because there was all these officers there. Oh, and yeah. uh, Dude, We had and, the same thing. There was, you know, guys had everything all set up and the guys that were working the DPVs, like those, they were like gearheads. There was a couple of really big gearheads that, that were working these DPVs and they had them tuned up just so. And, you know, everything was just right in there, you know, like they were ready to go. And, now here comes, uh, well, I want to say it was, but this, uh, an older, I know, gentleman. yeah, an older <laughs> gentleman, and uh, you know who had who had I don't know missed a previous go around, and he's over there kind of lurking and looking around, and then he starts like moving people's gear, and he's putting his gear in this seat. I'm like, what are you doing, man? He's like, oh, I figure I'll probably I'll probably take this seat here, you know, and I'll I'll probably run this car. No, you ain't running anything. You run back over there and watch from the talk, guy. You're not going anyplace. Yeah. For uh, for those of you that don't know, the DPVs are the Desert Patrol vehicles that they had, these doom buggy-looking things that were from the first Gulf War, and they actually had to bring guys back um, because we had to take these things out of mothballs. Somebody thought it would be a good idea to bring these things out of mothballs, and I had to, uh, had to help because – they don't even make the gun mounts that used to be on there. So we had to modify and show these guys how the new gun mounts worked in there. And, but, uh, but anyway, we're kind of getting off topic here. I think the biggest thing was, you know, for us, when we're sitting there and we're, you know, getting ready, literally the last brief before you go, all these guys are standing around and, you know, we're all geared up. And we're looking around and like, who are all these people and why do they look like they're ready to go to war? And somebody, you know, good idea fairy shows up and they start talking about supplementing guys. I know with your group, uh, with our element and all of a sudden this thing almost didn't happen because we're like, yeah, uh, no. Cause I go back to, you know, how we started this conversation and it is, that we trained for six months, six months. And all of a sudden the last minute to get guys some, you know, combat action that had missed their window that had no, I mean, these guys are, 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 are no longer 
you know, what you would call door kickers, shooters, whatever. I mean, they practice, they go out and do their thing, but they had not practiced with us. And, uh, and luckily we had, uh, some good OICs with some stones that were like, yeah, no, this is not happening. And, uh, it's not going to go down this way. And, uh, and the, the CEO, uh, there at team three, you know, he actually listened to what we had to say and, and was, you know, and he essentially said, yeah, you know, you're right. Um, and you guys are going to have to leave. And, you know, they did the right thing and walked out. We had our brief and, uh, and then we went and, uh, and started a war in a third world country. So, Hey, <laughs> no big deal. Right. But I, I think the biggest thing that, that, uh, I want our listeners to think about is, you know, the basics for us are that shoot, move, communicate, and we go back to those things and it doesn't have to be fancy. You know, you go out, you, you work your plan, you know, or as we say, you plan your op, you op your plan. You don't try to change something at the last minute, unless it's one safety uh, or, or an oversight that might get somebody killed. And, um, and it doesn't have to be complicated. Uh, the more complicated and more moving parts that you have. And I mean, how many assets did we have on that? I mean, we had Coast Guard element, we had Marines, you know, uh, on the backside, you know, after we took down the targets, we had a lot of assets, man. And uh, there was everybody there. It was like the thing was going to be over in a week or something and nobody wanted to miss it. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. Now it's like, you can't, you you can't pay somebody enough to go there. Like, dude, there's nothing in Iraq that I want. Yeah. And, and I mean, then they were trying to embed the reporters with us. Remember that? And we're like, no, you stay here. <laughs> we had reporters show up on one of the boats, like before the whole thing kicked off, like come out on one of the Mark five boats. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. We, uh, we never had it. We didn't have any with us. We had lawyers later, which was yeah. an entire another story, but yeah, that, that's for another day though, man. Cause that was, not no bueno there either yeah um but i think the biggest thing for people to take away is when it starts feeling complicated or overly complicated go back to what you know man um and it doesn't matter what industry you're in whether you work on a sales team for a pharmaceutical company or you work for a construction company or you're on a sports team man when it starts getting too complicated um you sit down and you're like, Hey, you got to simplify things. Cause, uh, jumping out of an airplane in the middle of the night and crashing through a skylight is not realistic. <laughs> you no, know, no. go back to that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that, I mean, that's, that's the biggest takeaway. Um, I think for this week is, you know, keep it simple. Um, especially when you have a lot of unknown factors, uh, and there's too many dynamics to control. Uh, just keep it simple. Yeah, absolutely. Or the way I think of it, when the good idea fairy calls, hang up. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hey, you know what you could do? No, no, not interested in that. All right. Well, that's about all we got time for this week, I think. Um, if you, gentle listener, have got questions, thoughts, comments, or concerns, or you've got an idea you'd like to hear us rant about, you can send us a quick email at info at apg.team. And if you'd like to see what we're up to at APG, you can check out our website at www.apg.team, where you can also sign up for our Tuesday tip of the week, which will from now on come out in a timely fashion on, yes, Tuesday. 
And if you like what we're putting out, do feel free to like and subscribe so you get our latest in a timely fashion and share these ideas with your friends because, as we always say, the world needs hitters. So, as the sun sets slowly in the east, we'll leave you with the words of Bruce Lee, who reminds us, life itself is your teacher and you are in a constant state of learning. that you are not.